Kilishuateka kiviti Hashem, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. The 29th of Tammuz, corresponding to the letter Yod. Yod is the smallest letter, the easiest letter to draw. All you need to do is to touch your pen to the paper, and you have drawn a Yod. It is so tiny that sometimes people even forget to put it into words they are spelling. So what does the Yod do? It appears in another word. God is like that too. Thus the Yod most often represents his name. And the Jewish people also claim it for their own. Like a dove, which is Yonah. Soaring beyond the heavens, a dove searching anxiously for a place to alight. God, the Jewish people, and the smallest letter. It is important to know that the Messiah says in Matthew chapter 5 about the letters and even the smallest letter will not be erased from the Torah. So it starts in verse 17 of chapter 5 of the writings of Matityahu. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, which is important because every week on the Jewish calendar we read a section of the law and a section from the prophets, and those are known as the Torah portion and the Haftarah portion. So if the Torah was abolished, the weekly study that has been going on for thousands of years would be demolished. So what would we spend our time doing? That would be interesting. To continue, it says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And remember the Torah portions and the Haftarah portions were given to us by Ezra and Nehemiah. And this was in the wake of returning from the Babylonian exile. Verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, which by the way would be the letter Yod, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And take that to chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Actually, let's go back to verse 22. The writings of Matityahu, chapter 7, verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Adonai, Adonai, which is, again, that's part of the 13 attributes of Hashem. This is the prayer that we pray, beseeching Hashem for mercy. Notice, that is the beginning of what Yeshua is saying. He says, "You many will come to me and they will try to use the 13 attributes of Hashem. 
the prayer that we were taught to pray when we want to ask for divine mercy, which says, Adonai, Adonai, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. That prayer. So Mashiach Yeshua continues. They're going to say, Adonai, Adonai, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So a worker of lawlessness is very interesting because that means being destitute of the Torah of Moshe, the law of Moses. So anything that we would desire to do for Hashem that would be apart from his Torah, we would be doing it in vain. So may we all stay connected to the Torah of Hashem. And the last thing I would like to read about the letter Yod from the Sefer Otiyot, which is where I started. It says, something of the Yod participates in the upper worlds. This is the Yod of Yerushalayim, the heavenly city of God. Something of the Yod breathes of the lower worlds. This is the Yod of Yetzer, the inclination of a person towards evil. It's important to note that the Gematria of Yetzer is also 300, which is the Gematria of Kippur, Kafpei Resh, and that is the word for atonement, and that is the Gematria for the letter Sheen, which you can go back to the letter Sheen uh, on the Bain HaMetzrim podcast and glean from the meaning of the letter Sheen. And it's interesting that we can either choose atonement or reject atonement, which is really the battle of the Yetzer, whether it's the Yetzer Hara, who will be victorious, or the Yetzer Hatov, which will be victorious. So can you hear its own that our Yetzer Hara is brought into submission of the Yetzer Hatov, that we will do good works unto Hashem, that we will not be without the law and the prophets, and that we will be grounded in the name of Hashem, operating in spirit and truth. The letters of light brings down that the gematria of the letter Yod is 10. Up until now, we have been discussing the single letters of the Aleph Beit. Now we enter the realm of two digit numbers. After the Yod, each letter's gematria increases by 10 instead of 1. Yod is 10, Kaf is 20, Lamed is 30, Mem is 40, and so on. In Judaism, the number 10 is quite significant. Throughout the teachings of Torah, Talmud, Kabbalah, and Hasidut, the number 10 is a fundamental building block for every aspect of creation. Firstly, there are the 10 utterances of speech through which God created the world. Next come the 10 generations from Adam to Noah and the 10 generations from Noah to Abraham. There were 10 plagues that God brought upon the Egyptian people. 
10 miracles that were performed for his people to save them from those plagues. God challenged the Jewish people with 10 tests in the desert. And of course, God gave us the 10 commandments. This is from Ethics of Our Fathers, which is Pirkei Avot, chapter 5. The fact that 10 represents the sanctity and holiness is represents sanctity and holiness is another reason for the importance of Yod. The Talmud tells us Megillah 23b that when 10 Jews assemble, God dwells in their presence. We are talking about the Shekinah of Hashem. The presence of God in the midst of 10 Jews. It says, the Tanya in Egeret HaKodesh chapter 23 gives an example of just how powerful that congregation is. It states that if an angel were to fly above the room in which 10 Jews were gathered, even if there were no words of Torah exchanged between them, the angel would be burnt out of existence from the holy light that radiated from their combined energy. This is the power of ten souls. If these ten souls are gathered together for Torah study and prayer, how much mightier is their force? How do we know about the sanctity of ten from the story of the Meraglaim, which are the spies? Moshe sent twelve spies to scout the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. Two of the spies, Yehoshua and Caleb, delivered a positive report. If God desires it, we shall surely ascend and conquer it. That is found in Bamibar 14.8 and Bamibar 13.30. The other ten reported negatively. We cannot go up against those people. It is a land that devours its inhabitants. And then that is from Bamibar 13.31-32. God responded, how much longer must I remain amongst this evil congregation, which is the word Eda, Bamibar 14:27, referring obviously to these 10 men. From here we learn that a congregation, Eda, which is from the word Aid, which means witness, refers to a group of 10 men, which is called a minion. A number of important questions logically follow. Why is the concept of ten men constituting a minion based on the fact that there were ten evil spies returning from the land of Israel? And remember we just read in Sefer Otiyot that the Yod has to do with the Yetzer, speaking of the Yetzahara and the Yetzer Hatov. So will it be the Yetzahara or will it be the Yetzer Hatov? And we see what the Yetzahara did here. It says, how do we ultimately say That ten traitors represent proof that God can only dwell among a community of at least ten men. And that the Shekinah, which is a manifestation of godliness, can exist only in such a gathering. It's important to note as well that the ten brothers sold Yosef into slavery. And those brothers also threw Yosef in the pit before they sold him. And it says that God bought into the sale. So we see the Shekinah was present at the selling of Yosef as well. It goes on to say, 
and exclaiming the treason of the spies, we come to realize that in essence, they weren't such grave sinners. The spies were the heads of their tribes. They were a holy people cited by Lakute Torah, beginning of Shalak, Lakute Sikot, volume four, page 1042 and volume 33, page 86. When Moshe sent them into the land of Israel, they saw a beautiful land, rich soil, a wonderful climate and large succulent fruits. Upon their return, they said to Moshe, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. Meaning, it's not that we couldn't conquer Canaan's inhabitants physically, but if we reside in this materialistic environment, there is no way we would be able to maintain our current spiritual level. We will be swallowed up by materialism. Going on later in this passage, it says, Moshe's spies were great Torah scholars, holy Jews. They said, look, if we go into the land of Israel, we are not going to have time to sit around and discuss all the last minute details of Halakha. We won't have the opportunity to analyze the law in depth or pass it on scrupulously to our children. For this reason, Israel is a land that will eat up its inhabitants. The Jewish people will become immersed in the physical rather than the spiritual. The spies therefore told Moshe, we don't want to go. Obviously, this is a sin. But why was this a sin for which they were mortally punished? Because God's original and fundamental intention of bringing us into the land was not to eschew physicality. God's original and fundamental intention in bringing us into the wor- into Slika and bringing us into the world was not to askew physicality, but to transform the physical into spiritual. The original and fundamental intention of bringing us into the world. Don't get rid of physicality, transform it into spirituality. May it be so with the revelation of the Beit HaMikdash being built speedily in our days, with the new Yerushalayim, the resurrection of the dead, the coming of Mashiach Zidkenu, the end gathering of all the exiles. That's the ultimate goal of the Jewish nation. Transform physicality into the spiritual. From the wisdom of the Hebrew Aleph Bet, it brings down the world was created for the sake of the Ten Commandments. If they are observed, the world will continue to exist. If not, it is predestined to perish. That is from the Zohar Vayikra. It is significant that the name of God and Yisrael both begin with a Yod. For God and Yisrael are fundamental to creation. It is the first letter in the four-letter name, Yod and He, Vav and He. The Jewish people are known by four names, corresponding to the four letters, by the way, but not necessarily beginning with each of the four letters, but in the conceptual idea that there are four letters and Yisrael is called by four names. And there is also a source that brings down that Israel will be called by the four-letter name of Hashem 
and the Olam Haba. But for now, according to wisdom in the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph Bet, it says the Jewish people are known by four names, all of which begin with a Yod. It says Yaakov, which is Jacob, Yisrael, that's Israel, Yehuda, Judah, Yeshurun, which is Jeshurun. This indicates that though this nation is despised and persecuted by others, it nevertheless bears the great mission of sanctifying God's name on earth. So one of the things that is very interesting about this is the Messiah says they will hate you for the sake of my name. And this is found in Matityahu chapter 10, starting in verse 22. Stand by for source. Want to read this in context. And it says this, brother will betray brother to death and a father, his child. Children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. And what name does the Messiah Yeshua have? None other than the Yod and Hey and the Vav and Hey. Just like Yisrael, what name do we have? We share the letter Yod. Yeshua's name begins with a Yod. Yisrael's name begins with a Yod. We all share within the name of Hashem. And because of that, we're persecuted and we're hated. And it goes on to say, everyone, you'll be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. Truly, I tell you, you will not reach all the towns before the Son of Man comes. A Talmud, a disciple, is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple, for a Talmud, to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more so the members of the household? So again, I repeat... This indicates that though this nation is despised and persecuted by others, it nevertheless bears the great mission of sanctifying God's name on earth. Just a quick insight from Rabbi Hirsch. It says the gematria of Yad, which is hand, is 14, alluding to the fact that the five fingers of a hand have 14 knuckles. When a task requires more strength, which is koak, kaf, chet, it says, than a single hand can provide, both hands are used. The gematria of koak is 28, which is the number of knuckles in both hands. That is brought down by Rabbi Hirsch. The final insight I would like to share on the letter Yod is about humility. From the Otsiot, 
Rabbi Akiva, it says, whoever humbles himself in this world will be granted his full share in the world to come. The world created with the humble letter Yod. Whoever humbles himself in this world will be granted his full share in the Olam Haba. The Olam Haba was created with the letter Yod. Yod is the smallest letter of the Aleph Beit. It represents the metaphysical. As Maharal puts it, in smallness lies essence. This is why if we remember where did Hashem's fullness of His glory and His presence reside when He tabernacled and mishkaned among us? It was between the two poles of the ark and more so above the ark cover and between the wings of the Keruvim. That very, very small space was where Hashem contracted His essence so that the fullness of who Hashem is would dwell in that small space. Now, if Hashem can do that, I would just like to say la about the fullness of Hashem dwelling in Mashiach Yeshua. And where do we find that? We find that in the letter to Colossae, chapter 2. Key verse is verse 9, but let's read it in context. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world rather than on Mashiach, a.k.a. the Torah made flesh. It says, For in Mashiach, all the fullness of divinity dwells in bodily form. Another way it is put, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. Just like the fullness of God dwelled between the wings of the Keruvim, between the poles of the ark. Continuing on, it says, For in Mashiach, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form, and you have been made complete in Mashiach, which, by the way, is the word Shalem, which is the word that is the root of shalom. So you've been brought into shalom. You've been brought into the name of God. You've been brought into this fullness of God. Just like we just talked about Yisrael having four names, sharing the letter Yod with the four letter name of Hashem, the Yod and Hey and Vav and Hey. And it says, and you have been made, sh made shalom in Mashiach, who is the head over every ruler and authority Because today, we seem to have a lot of rulers and authorities in the world. Some of them are not 
present. Some of them have vacated their their uh, standing. So it seems like we're left without leaders in some cases. But Ain owed Milvado, there is nothing but Hashem because who is the ruler over them all? None other than Hashem, the Torah, and made flesh is the Mashiach, Yeshua. This is why Yeshua would say to Pilate, you have no authority over me except that which is given to you. So continuing on in this Colossians passage, it goes on to say, In him you were also circumcised. We have a milah in Mashiach. And the putting off of your sinful nature, which is the circumcision performed by Mashiach and not by human hands. This is so important because the letter Yod is concealed by the foreskin. But if you remove the foreskin, the letter Yod is revealed. So same thing with us as human beings. We are born into sin. We have to circumcise our, our sons on the eighth day. Because that is a picture of removing the sinful nature to reveal the Yod, which is what we have to do. All of us have to put off our sinful nature, that which turns to Hashem and despises Him, that which turns to Hashem and rejects Him, that which stays focused on materiality, that which stays away from Torah, walks in in sin and gratuitous hedonism as opposed to teshuva, asking for forgiveness, immersing ourselves in the Torah, and etc. So it says in verse 12, And having been buried with him in the mikveh, the tevila mikveh, you were raised with him through your imuna, and the power of Hashem who raised him from the dead. Everything is about Hashem. Many times believers who want to follow the Mashiach they make it all about Mashiach and they divorce him from Hashem. That would be the same as carrying the Torah around, but never saying any brachot, never seeking insight from the sages, but saying, I have the Torah. If you have the Torah, but you have no vowel points, you have no commentary, you have no illumination from the oral Torah, you have nothing because you cannot understand it. It is the same with the Mashiach. If you have a Mashiach that is devoid of the power of Hashem, that is devoid of the faith in Hashem, you might as well stare at the bronze serpent on the pole and expect to be healed. Because what does what do we learn from Parsha Hukat? That when we stare at the bronze serpent on the pole, that we're placing our faith and our trust in Hashem. The reason we're looking up is to remind us to look up to Hashem, not to look at the serpent, not to look at the bronze serpent on the pole as an end. We must do the same with Mashiach. So, Ken Yehi may it be the will of Hashem 
that we are circumcised of our sinful natures and that we look to Hashem and that we grab a hold of his mighty right hand and that he will immerse us in the death, the burial and the resurrection of the Mashiach unto eternal life. Grabbing a hold of the Torah, being taught in its ways and being able to walk in its paths, filled with the spirit of God, obeying his voice causing our eyes to be fixed and focused upon the author, perfecter, and finisher of our imuna. It goes on to say in the wisdom in the Hebrew Aleph-Bet, in order to teach that the road to greatness lies in humble self-effacement. The road to greatness lies in humble self-effacement. Hashem chose to give the Torah on a small, unimpressive mountain, Mount Sinai. Which book of our heritage brings down that Mount Sinai is like a little chunk of the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah, the place where the Akedah occurred. So the Jewish women, every week except during Pesach, they make challah. And what they do is they take a little piece of the dough and they separate that out and they offer that to Hashem. There are many ways to go about doing that halakhically, but that's not a part of this podcast. But understand that concept is exactly what Mount Sinai is. So the place where the Torah was offered was offered on the separated out hala. Because the actual hala is that piece that's separated out. The rest of the loaf that we actually bake and we eat and partake of on Arab Shabbat that is the loaf of bread, but the challah is the separated out portion, and that is unto Hashem. So same thing with Mount Sinai, it was separated out like a portion of challah, and that's where the Torah was offered. And it goes on to say, as the agent to convey the Torah to Hashem, he chose Moshe, whose pronounced characteristic was humility. As we find in Bami Bar 12.3, Ve ha'ish, Moshe anav, Miko ha'adam, asher al penei ha'adama. The man, Moshe, was exceedingly humble, more than any man on the face of the earth. Zohar Vayikra 147 explains that the Yod consists of three parts. Just like Israel consists of three parts. Cohen, Levite, Israelite. We have the Tanakh, which consists of three parts. The scripture, the word of God. It consists of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. Goes on to say, a prong pointing upward to the one above. A prong pointing downward to the earth. And the middle part, uniting both. Now we're talking about the letter Aleph, because if you remember the letter Aleph, has a Yod on, on top, a Yod on bottom, and a Vav, which is the, word, the letter for connection, in the middle. So uniting above and below is actually the Aleph, but it's actually shown in the Yod. So... It goes on to say the shape of the Yod is symbolic of a person in prayer. His eyes are lowered in humility 
as he stands before the king while his heart is directed upward toward heaven. This is from Yevamot 105b. All three parts of the Yod are of equal importance halakhically. The Talmud notes that it is obvious. Uh, Peshita, which is that a mezuzah or Torah scroll is invalid if it lacks even Kotso Shel Yod. The point of the yod, the smallest jot, the smallest tittle, as we just read from the Mashiach's words in the account of Matityahu chapter 5. And this is cited in Minakot 29a and also in Rashi. HaKadosh Baruchu, may our words merit on high. As we ask you to establish the Yod in creation unto the revelation of the building of the Beit HaMikdash and to the revealing of the final Geula, may the letters of light continue to pour forth more redemption into the world. Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai.